Now today um, we continue this uh, conversation or topic promises. Who of you like the, 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 the topic promises of God? I don't remember ever preaching on the promises of God uh, in, the, in a direct kind of a way. We kind of mention indirectly in, in about different promises of God. And I was just thinking if we only understand the importance of this and somehow we don't focus on the promises of God that much. We don't understand. Like last Sunday, I mentioned very critical point. I'm not sure. I didn't have much time uh, to unpack this whole idea of um, the, uh, the conditional and unconditional promises of God. It's a huge topic. And we just mentioned on the um, example of this woman, Hannah, who received the promise, if you remember the story, and, and she got uh, her son Samuel, and then she, as a part of a test, she brought this uh, son Samuel to, to God, and after that she had many more children. So that promise that she brought back to God actually opened up her womb, and she received many more children. And um, that was the focal point. The, the, there are some uh, promises that we say conditional promises. There are some promises that we could say unconditional promises. But most importantly, last time we established that if you are in Christ, the, 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 by the virtue of the fact that you are in Christ, you automatically, if you are in Christ, you are automatically fulfilling the premises or condition for promises, that's fine. All the promises in Christ are yes and amen. They are not automatic in terms of they are just happening. They are automatic because you are in Christ. And as a result of being in Christ, all the conditions or, or premises of the promises being, being fulfilled and then these results or the fulfillment of the promises are coming into your life. That was a very, very significant point. And based on this, I wanted to move to the next point today. Uh, but let me just give you an illustration first before I even move into this point, because it's a little bit tricky for us to, to grasp the, the gist of it. Uh, my, my wife, and I, uh, God blessed me with a good wife, you know, that this is a blessing. And so she came to me uh, fr on Friday and she says, uh, we need to go to the restaurant, to Olive Garden. And I says, and, uh, what's the occasion? And she says, a friend gave us a gift card to Olive Garden. And um, Olive Gardens are closing all the time, all over the place. One here in Springfield closed, another closes here somewhere. So uh, the rumor is that the whole chain might actually go under the, the, the water because of this COVID and other reasons. And she says, when, once we still have Olive Garden, just go ahead and use the card because once the restaurant closes, you are out of luck. And, and she mentioned something to me that, that was very interesting. She says somebody gave her a card, a gift card for the birthday for kids 
Toys R Us. Remember the store Toys R Us? And, and we, never, we never went there. We never had chance to go in, actually use the car. So now the store is out of business and she has a card that had value, but not now it's not, it's useless. We essentially lost money. Do you know that I read some statistic that billions of dollars, if, if, if you can imagine, are being wasted in gift cards that never been uh, realized or used. So we buy gift cards left and right, give to people, and somehow people never use them for one reason or another. Maybe they forgot about them, maybe they lost them, maybe the business go out of business, and it's just, um, I, I thought it would be a terrific idea to, to do gift, uh, uh, gift cards. Right, Noah? Do you have gift cards? See, he's smiling. He's a good businessman. Because sometimes people don't use it. They give you cash for, for a piece of plastic. Now, uh, with that same idea, you can compare promises of God. God put, put tremendous value into his promises. And uh, if you want, it's almost like a, in some way, a blank check that God, our Heavenly Father, our Daddy, gave us to utilize in this area or another area, and we never used it. I, I uh, recently, again, was talking to my wife, and uh, she, saw, she saw me a stack of checks that I never um, cashed. Um, when we were doing construction, when we were doing a lot of different things, it was in, in West Springfield, the church, um, administrator at that time would write me checks. And he would write me checks and I would never cash it because I knew that there was no money there. So I would just put it in the folder, put it in the folder and never cashed it. And he actually was very offended that I would never cash a check, but, but we just never... We, I felt like I could not cash those checks. But if we can go back to the idea of promises, what if you look in your spiritual portfolio and you see a bunch of promises that you never utilize, bunch of gift cards, bunch of um, blessings, essentially, of God that you never utilize it because either you did not know, you forgot about them, or you, you, you didn't feel like utilizing them for one reason or another. That's why I am talking about God's promises so that we could actually start, number one, knowing, learning about them, and number two, utilizing them. Because remember I mentioned last time that in order for you, and I, I talked about this experience of insurance, in order for you to utilize the, the benefit of the insurance policy, you kind of need to know what is in the contract. The same thing with the promises. You've got to know the promises. You've got to know how they work. You've got to know that promises are actually, God's promises are, are legal 
instruments that you can utilize in a spiritual sense. They are legal instruments that God knows about them and the enemy knows about them. And how come we don't know about them or we don't utilize them? And, and, and sometimes we look at our situation, whatever it is, relational, financial, emotional, and we are like, God, help me. And God is like, I gave you promise. Why don't you use God, help me. I gave you promise. God, help me. I gave you promise. Use it. It's for that very reason I gave you promise. So today I just wanted to, uh, on that platform that we built last time, to move into this promise for the future, the promises or the promise of a future. Um, I just want to focus on, on three things, uh, facts about the future. We, we need to learn some essential facts from the biblical perspective or from God's perspective, you will, about the future, uh, and the promises, the actual promises about the future. Do you know that God gave you certain really significant promises about your and my future and also preparation for the future? Now, this is important because also, because what happens in life is uh, I've seen people who are not prepared not prepared for life, not prepared to be parents, not prepared to be adult, an adult, not prepared for, um, to be a minister, not lack of preparation. And, and somehow we um, rise to the occasion sometimes. We, we, we ended up having kids and we're like, okay, now let's just go ahead and see how we deal with them. <laughs> And, and I am in that same time. And God gave me grace, and, and I could figure it out. But, but um, it, when I look back, and my Victoria is not here today, maybe she's watching me online, but uh, when she was uh, my first, um, <laughs> I was not ready. I was not ready that, uh, for, to be a dad, honestly. And I was learning on her. But she turns out to be good only by the grace of God. So there is this uh, preparation for the future that we need to do in our life in order for us to uh, boldly and nicely shift or transition into this future that God prepared for us. And I wanted to use this quote um, by this Corey ten Boom, who was, as you know, a person who um, hit Jews during the uh, World War II. I, I've seen the do documentary about her life and it's just amazing how she did it. She's a very courageous woman and she says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Only person who has this kind of a philosophy would be able to to, to carry out that what she did in the face of um, threat, life threat, and in uh, circumstances. I mean, the, 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 the Germans could, could actually kill her for that. She was able to do what is right because she knew that if you trust God, that you know with unknown future that might happen, you will be fine. And she was okay. She ended up being okay. 
So from that perspective, I am praying that um, by the end of this message, just like last time, we, we are compelled by the um, power of the Holy Spirit. We just make a decision to build our lives, not on any other foundation, but on the foundation of the promises of God. And you know the scripture says that uh, there are a lot of different foundations. People build sometimes their lives with, with no foundation. They just build something. And, and then when things come to your life, when, 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 when the storm comes, that what you built is completely destroyed. And um, sometimes be, people build with poor foundation that is not able to withhold the, 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 the pressure of life or the storms of life. And the best foundation that you can ever build for your marriage for your financial future, for your life in general, is the promises of God. And that's my, my prayer, that you made a decision, I made a decision, that yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just learn the promises of God and I'm going to stick to the promises of God and build my life, not on the fear, not on the statistics, not on the soci sociological um, data not on the common culture everybody does what I need to do so I will need to do what uh, everybody does Th that's foolish because culture is anti-God and if you follow the culture and do what every, everybody else is doing so where are we going to end up like everybody else but I do know that God has plan, unique plan, blessed plan for you. And in order for us to tap into this plan and the blessings uh, surrounding this plan, we need to make a decision that, yes, I'm going to build my life on the promises of God. So uh, this is the, 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 the illustration or the base scripture that I showed yesterday, but I changed a little bit of a of an illustration here, basically I changed this action, no action, uh, access, and uh, promise, no promise. But the, 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 pay attention to the scripture again, 2 Corinthians 1.12 says, um, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And somebody estimated that we have about 8,000 promises of God in the Bible. That's a lot. Uh, we have 3,000 like a direct promises, but in general we have about 8,000 uh, promises in the scripture. Uh, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So this is basically my role for us to say amen to the promises of God, to receive the promise of God, just like Hannah received the promise of God, the word of God to cling to that word and say, Amen. I receive it, and that's going to be my foundation. Amen? So, as you can see, uh, this illustration is very simple. Uh, uh, there are some people who are in different uh, location on this spectrum, in terms of action, no action, in terms of promise, no promise. Where we want to be, we want to be in the quadrant where promise 
intersects with action. Because that's what reflects our faith. Everything else, like I said, I usually ended up because I am very, uh, I am action guy. I don't like talking too much. I like to do things. But I would end up many times in this quadrant, no promise, but a lot of action. And then that's reflective of flesh. And so you, you, you look something and then you feel like you are running ahead of God a little bit. In, case, in fact, I, I remember a long, long time ago, one pastor came to me and says, oh, like you are actually uh, running like, you know, like a, like a cart before the, the horse. And, and, and it was a long time ago when I was very, very young. But uh, sometimes we do the same thing. We, we, we try to be ahead of God and be in the dump in this quadrant. And um, I don't even want to mention people who uh, live in futility quadrant, no action. They just, they just move in life, drift in life, and no promise. They don't know the purpose of God for their lives. They, they, you don't want to be in that, in that area. Or in many cases, and this is actually one of the things that we want to focus on, that if you um, live in fear, you will never be able to move into the quadrant of faith where the promises are being fulfilled. Promises of God are opposite uh, to any kind of fear. Fear of uh, not being enough. Fear of uh, changing your status quo. Fear of success even. Sometimes we are so um, concerned about what people are going to say. And you know what people, each time when you want to go on the promise of God, you have to expect, and I will emphasize this right now, I'm talking about things that I know, you will have to expect a lot of criticism in your direction. People will scrutinize your motives. People will scrutinize your life. People will scrutinize your actions, your behaviors, and they will look at you from different angles, and they sometimes will tell you something that never happened. Why? Because each time when you go in the light, each time when you go into the position of leadership, each time when you try to fulfill the promises of God, that's what's happened all the time. Be ready for it. And so sometimes people are like, I don't want to be, I am a private person, I just want to have a quiet life, I'm scared, I'm afraid. Well, guess what? If you're afraid, there is no way you can fulfill promises of God. So be it. If people are, are criticizing you, blaming you, saying things that are not right, just grow up and man up. And that's okay. You're not going to die from it. But move on. Do what you're supposed to do. And, and if you look at the Bible, remember David? He was falsely accused. Remember Joseph? He was falsely accused. How many leaders, Moses, how many leaders do we know that were attacked unjustly by other people just because they were fulfilling promises of God? So that's okay. No fear. Amen? But, uh, but before I even move on, I, I uh, wanted to mention in 2 Peter 1.4, the Bible says, through, through this, which is glory and goodness of God, He has given us, God given us, this, His very great and precious promises. 
Now listen. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The only way or the vehicle of us to be able to participate in the divine nature, to become like Christ, is through utilizing or taking advantage of God's promises that he so graciously provided for us. You don't want to be like Christ or participate in the divine nature, then don't use promises. And you live a little Christian nominal life. Or if you want to be just like Christian, uh, like Jesus who is changing the society, who, who is an agent of change for the generation, you have to utilize the promises of God that he provided for us. With that being said, I am jumping to the first point. Uh, facts about the future. Really quick, uh, the first fact about the future is that God knows my future. It's not a surprise for God. Uh, and the reason why, in fact, there is nothing surprising for God. You cannot surprise God with anything. The reason why, and I don't want to go into theology that much, but uh, the, 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 uh, our God is um, all-knowing God. He knows the end from the beginning. And, and, and it's very hard for us to understand it because we are bound to time. We live in the planet Earth that rotates around the Earth and, and everything from the very beginning in our lives was attached to time. We have watches and clocks all over the place. God lives outside of time. It's like if, if, if you are driving on the street, let me just give you an example. If you're driving on the street like I am driving to, on the street from Agavam to Southwick and you have one lane and, and you have this very um, uh, wavy road and usually as luck would have it, somebody would stop in front of me five miles be below the speed limit. It, it's just like a, you should see, you should see that. I can, I can get you in my car, go to that stretch of the road that has only one lane, and somebody is going to be driving in front of me, just cruising and looking around. So, I, I, you know what I discovered? That's what God teaches me, how God is just teaches me patience. But it's so difficult, and, and sometimes I would, I would like to go and pass them, but the curves, and I'm afraid that somebody is going to show up right there when, I'm, when I am trying to pass that, that person. And what if, I'm just thinking right now, if, if you had a, somebody in the whole helicopter looking down, and he says to me in the radio, Oleg, you can pass him right now, because there is nobody in the front. Guess what? It would be easy, right? Because that person looks from above. Now, that's a little uh, illustration about how God sees this life in the earth. We live sequentially. God lives outside of time completely. And he sees everything from the beginning to the end in the same time. That's why Jesus is being crucified right now, because God lives outside of time. I don't want to push you into this, you know, too 
difficult to comprehend concept. But just to remember, God knows my future, what's going to happen in the future. And Psalm 139.16 says, uh, the days allotted to me, he, he already had already been recorded in your book before any of them ever began. It might be surprising to me, the events that unfolding. For God, he knew it all along. I was born somewhere in Belorussia. And God knew that I would be in Springfield. I didn't know. I could never even dream. Do you know the country, Belorussia? See, you don't even know the country. God knew. And now we are here in, this, in Springfield, somehow, Massachusetts, and, um, and so many other different things in our lives. God knows. There is no surprise. I, I like uh, understand the way how uh, Francis Chan understands this concept. He says, God exists outside of time, and since we are within time, there is no way we will ever totally grasp that concept. It's difficult. I got it. Don't even try to fully understand this reality without time. But here's the point. When David says that God wrote every day of our lives in his book, that is why I am such a staunch opponent of the abortion. Because we know that this baby that is in the womb has a plan from God. And when people kill it, or murder it, let's put it in this way, that's a murder, that's a genocide. They are uh, savagely destroying the plans of God for that life. So don't tell me right now about abortion, nothing. In fact, how, how is it possible that a Christian can vote for a president who supports abortion? Can, can somebody explain it to me? Can somebody in the good consciousness come to me right now and says, I'm going to support this candidate for a presidency even though I know that this guy supports abortion. It's killing. They, and I, I remember a story, uh, there was a story in, in one of the, I think it was in the Charisma magazine, about a guy, four-year-old uh, guy who died, boy, who died and he actually went to heaven. And, um, and so uh, the reason why parents knew that he was not bluffing because he was telling events that happened and he couldn't, he couldn't know. He says when he was dying in the hospital, he says to his father, Dad, why were you in the office crying and screaming at God? And the dad was like, Nobody knew that I was in the office screaming to God. So at that point, they, they, they realized that the boy is not, is not imagining things. And he says, yeah, I went to heaven because I saw my little sister. And, 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 and the parents were like, huh? How did you know that they had the miscarriage? They had a miscarriage, and that little sister was with Jesus. God knows every day of your life. That's number one, the, 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 the fact number one. Number two, 
Uh, God has a plan, and the plan that God has for you, it's a good plan that we need to know. It's not like we making plans. Do you, do you like making plans in your life? Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish my post uh, graduate degree, and I am going to uh, operate. God has a plan. God created the plan. Have you ever bothered to come to God and, says, and say, God, what is your plan for my life? I always did plans for myself. And then I would come to God and I say, God, bless my plans. And God is like, because his plans would be always, and I want to highlight this word always, superior or better, much better than my puny plans, no matter what. I could sit and brain, brainstorm all day long and devise a nice plan, but if you compare my plan with God's plan, God's plan will always be better. And here is the, here is the, uh, here is the fact. Uh, in Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, the scripture says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He knows the plan for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, a good plan. God has a good plan for you. Now, I want to just give you an illustration. Do you see this nice uh, nice uh, freight train that I put in there. This is to illustrate that sometimes our plans in the light of God's purposes are just funny. Because this is the illustration. When, when Moses came out of Egypt with three and a half million of folks, which might be much more because of the children and, 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 and women. And, and he uh, went into the, the desert. The experts in the military estimated how much, how many, uh, how much provision they would need to have on the daily basis. And they say that in order to, um, uh, to, 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 to feed them, I have the statistic, um, they would need to have um, 143 tons of provision. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, 4,500 tons of provision that would require... 42 cars of train for food every day. That's just food, no drink. So imagine 43, 42 cars of food every day for that crowd of people. Imagine me sitting and Moses sitting and planning. Okay, I would need to have that many food. I would need to have that macaroni. I would need to have that starch. I would need to have that salt. He didn't plan. He just says, let's go into the desert. And somehow, they lived not one day, but how many days? Forty years. Think about planning. That's why our plans sometimes are so funny. That's, that's why our attempts to control our lives are so 
just miserable. Let's put it in this way. In, in this particular case, uh, also he estimated uh, in order to prepare this, this food, they would need to have 8,000 tons of wood to, to heat it up, to make it, make it work. And also water, they would need to have, um, they would need to have a 90 car train, 90 car of the cisterns of water every day to provide water for drinking and washing for this for these people in this desert how do you provide water in the desert only when you submit to God's God's plan if God has plan and you submit to God's plan somehow everything comes into fruition four years in the desert they were able to do and the plan was good they did what they needed to do they deviated from the plan they and that's what I'm trying to tell you too that sometimes people can can do their own modification of the plan like for example God didn't plan for you to be a drug addict you did that decision for yourself and you deviated from the plan God didn't send you to your location where you might be right now God didn't send you you made this decision and you're like oh my gosh where I am right now well now from the location where you are say God take me where I am and and bring me where I'm supposed to be that's how we live so but God's plan is a good plan and uh, finally the fact is uh, God will be with me in my future now in Hebrews 13 5 here is the, the way how Paul says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. I, I want you to, this is, this is a sermon on itself, but do you see the connection here or intersection between love of money? Do you love money? Now, he says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because and it's very illogical here because God has said never will I leave you never will I forsake you what's the connection between never will I leave you and love of money D do you see the connection here let me let me help you a little bit if I don't believe that God will take care for me in the future I will focus on loving money I will need to love money because what's gonna happen when I'm gonna get old who's gonna pay my bills Who, how, is, how am I going to uh, make money and people think in that way what's gonna happen when my business goes down I just need to, to make so much money that I don't need anybody and anything, including God, and then I will be all set. Like Jeff Bezos. If I had that kind of money, then I probably would be all set. At that point, I don't really need God, I don't need anything, I'm just living because I have money. Yes? No. It doesn't matter how much money you have. If you don't have God on your side, it's a futile thing. 
because you can lose everything overnight. But if I know, like here it's, uh, Apostle Paul is claiming, God has says, I will never leave you. When business goes down, I will never leave you. When economy goes down, I will never leave you. When you get older and you need to go on the retirement, I will never leave you. When your business transforms into different forms, I will never leave you. Never leave you. And at that point, you will be able to be free from the love of money. Do you see the connection now? But I want to get this point. God will be with me in the future, wherever future that would be. With that being said, I am jumping to the second point, um, and that promises about the future. Really quick, um, in Isaiah 42.2, the Bible says, when you go through deep waters, and I want you to take a look here at the, uh, the, the word, when. It doesn't say if you go through the deep waters. When you go through the deep waters, and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned up. For I am the Lord your God. That's an awesome promise for the future. And you know that life is, is, is giving us some, some curves and, and we don't expect things sometimes in life. Accidents happen. Uh, we do get um, affected or attacked by some diseases or, or some uh, sicknesses. Um, some people do get fired. Some businesses go under and, and, and they, just ha they just happen. Some, somebody uh, experienced uh, some litigations out of nowhere. I mean, I've been in this situation. Just crazy people. They, I was not even a part of this situation. They took me to court. And judge is looking at the paper and judge like, why are you suing him? And he's like, I don't know, because his name is known. Stupid. But people like to do this because whom else they will sue? If they don't know a person, they will not sue. But if you know a person, I'm going to take him to court. For what? But God says, I will be with you. And here is the help and support in the situations like this. When you go through the deep waters, it's not that you're going to be dry <laughs> in the waters. You're going to be wet. But you will go through. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, it's not that you're going not, not going to be affected. You might be affected, but you will overcome. When you go through the fires, it's not, it's not going to, to be uh, hot. It might be hot, but you're not going to be burned up. That's basically the, the, the point here. And um, I put the, uh, the illustration of bread because we are praying uh, in the disciples' prayer, uh, give us uh, your daily bread on the daily basis. And the promise here is that God gives us this kind of um, help and support on the daily basis. You don't have to worry about things about tomorrow. Sometimes I receive very bad news about this, about that. 
and I just go to sleep. And then you wake up in the morning, oh, wait a second, it's not actually that bad. That's how I learn. God is going to give you grace to deal with stuff. What are you worrying about? Well, I have a, low, a lawsuit uh, uh, hearing in, 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 in December, and I'm worrying right now. Forget it. Just live happily until December, and on the day of the court hearing, you will have grace from God to deal with it. I can promise you that based on the scripture. And, and at, uh, everything else goes like this. On the daily basis, today, you have grace, daily bread, to live your day to glorify God. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Amen? That's the promise. The second promise about future is uh, guidance and direction. It has something to do about guidance and direction. I already mentioned the fact that God knows it all. And if you want to know what's going to happen in the future, the best source would be God. Not horoscope. Do you read horoscopes, people? You need, to, you need to receive deliverance. I actually don't understand who in the right mind would read such a debased, stupid thing like horoscope. Or um, there is this, um, the, the, this group of people called astrologists. I mean, this is 21st century. You still believe in astrologists? Really? Like, really? The only person who would know the future and his plans for you is the source, which is God. And if you need to have direction and uh, guidance, in, especially when you're making very tough decisions, and I would, I'm telling you, dealing with people, you always have to, you always have to make sometimes tough decisions. Have you ever tried to be in between two um, uh, fighting parties and each party blames others and you're in the middle? It's tough. <laughs> it's really tough sometimes. You need, you need wisdom from God to make decisions. And here is the, uh, the promise, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your own understanding. Yes? Lean on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Our understanding has so many flaws because sometimes we don't have a complete data. Sometimes we have a distorted information. Sometimes we don't have our, uh, our decisions can be biased. I've learned that. I don't draw my conclusions on the spot like this because I know that my decision-making, no matter how good a decision-maker you are, it's flawed. That's why I don't make decisions like this. Oh, you know that I'm going to leave your church, Pastor, because you preached about me. I don't even know you. How do you think I preach about you? Relax a little bit for a change. But the thing is, sometimes we, we jump to conclusions and without realizing that, no, I, I, don't, I don't lean on my understanding. I need to go to God. And, and he says, in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do you know how many times I would come to God and say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I don't know, 
help me and go the other way. And then somehow the, the decision would come. Um, I, 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 just, I don't have time, but I, I like to give you illustrations. And, and so I will give you this illustration and I'll wrap it up real quickly. I, I got a broken pump at my house. It didn't work, the water pump. And, 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 and it didn't work to the point where I was sleeping and during the night I, saw, I heard these noises. And the, the security uh, feature in the motor would kick in and it stops. And then again. And I was like devils in the, in the garden. But then I, I uh, woke up and I went to the, to, the, to the pump and the pump melted, the, the compel, I mean, impeller and diffuser melted, it's plastic melted. So uh, well, I went on the internet and the uh, mechanical guy I am, I found the parts. They are expensive, but I found them and I ordered them, I installed them, doesn't work. Still doesn't work. It runs, but it doesn't pump the water. So I was thinking, wait a second, maybe, uh, maybe the, the well is dry because of this drought that we experienced. So I went uh, into the bottom of the well with the, with the string. I learned everything. And I found that there is like five feet of, maybe not five, but four feet of water still in the well. And so I spent so much time into this, and my, my grass is dying. It's like my soul is dying. And, and so I'm like, I don't know, I came to the end of the rope. I did everything that I was supposed to do. It just doesn't work. The pump doesn't work. And then somehow I, I was going back to, I was just dumping everything. I called the professional. Already called the professional. I'm going back to house. I'm not touching that pump anymore. But then I said, God, Holy Spirit, what's up with this? And somehow, I took the water that I had for priming the pump, I throw it on the suction pump, and I, I hear the noise. Like, what is this? I threw it some more water. The suction pipe corroded and it was sucking air. That was it. So do you know what the fix was? I just took a little bit of plastic wrapper from the kitchen, I stole it from Allah, wrapped around that corroded pipe, it works like a baby. Like beautiful, tremendous pressure. We need sometimes guidance in direction. No matter how mechanically inclined you are, sometimes you're just acting stupid. Ask Holy Spirit. He knows. He's the best engineer in the universe. He created it. Amen? I need to finish this wonderful sermon. Promises about the future. The last one, it's... Uh, uh, let me just give you this quote by Charles Spurgeon. I love this. I love this quote. If, if you think that I'm radical, listen to this guy. If anybody said he had eternal life and lost it, he would be flatly contradicting himself. It could not be eternal or else he must still have it. Charles Spurgeon. The reason why I love this quote because sometimes people have this notion in the church 
that uh, people can leave the church or quit being Christians. It's impossible. I can give you scriptures, upon scriptures, upon scriptures. And sometimes people give me examples. Well, look at her. Look at him. Well, they were never believers. They were in the church, but they were not a part of church. The promise that we have here is in John 10, 28, Jesus says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And trust me on that man. When God says, you know, when I take my kids, and I, we went to this um, ridge in the, uh, by Kirill's house, there is a, a beautiful park and ridge, and we went over there, and there are some, some mountains, and so my kids would go to the mountains close to the ridge because they have this invisibility, uh, inf inv invincibility uh, complex, and I would hold them by my, oh, no, 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 you're not coming to that edge. That's me, float, father. Imagine, imagine heavenly father holding you by the hand and saying, no, 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 no. I am holding you. And you're like, no, I want to go here. I want to go there. And God is like, I'm holding you. Nobody can snatch you from God's hand. And I, I, I hear a lot, of, a lot of argument. No, but what if this? What if that? Let me just tell you this. Lots of people live the church, live the faith. That's true. It's a factual data. But it never meant, it doesn't mean that they were ever connected to Christ. They were just part of the Christian culture. They were religious people maybe. But how can you get a born again believer get unborn if you become a child of God? And I have to admit this, yes you can quit a church. You can be offended by the church. But it doesn't mean that I stop loving Jesus. Do, do you hear what I'm saying right now? The promise is this. And the Bible actually says that he will finish, he will fulfill the process that he started. If you really was born again, but the question is really born again, it's impossible for you to be lost again. God will continue working with you through some valleys and hills, issues, disappointments, setbacks, but nobody can snatch. Apostle Paul put in this way, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, and he continues, nothing can separate me from Christ our Lord. That is the promise that I have. We call it eternal security. And then I am finishing up because my time is up and I need to finish. But let me give you the preparation really quickly. This is the action plans or action steps or if you want applications. <laughs> Number one, learn to serve and give. Really quickly, listen what uh, Mark 10.45 says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came for what? Two reasons to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, let me just uh, propose this for you. What if our primary purpose on this earth 
when we come here is to learn two things, to give and to serve. How do I know it? I'll tell you why. When we are born naturally, do you know that we are 100% selfish? Do you have a, did, you, did you see a baby who would be concerned about mama? No, the baby doesn't care about mama. She's cute, the baby is. But she is 100% selfish. She just wants her needs meet. Yes? Yes. But then we grow up, grow up, and we need to learn to share. We need to learn to serve. Serving is counterintuitive. In other words, it doesn't give me anything, right? When I come to church here, it's a waste of time, essentially, because I could go to the lake or to the ocean, right? But in the same time, it's a learning opportunity for me to learn, to soar, and also to give, because on the natural, we don't like giving. And don't tell me right now, when I, when I tell you that I am super selfish, you're like, oh, my pastor is super selfish. So are you! Everybody is super selfish. What we need to do is essentially to learn to serve and to give. And it's a learning process. And so when I come here on the, to work in church, I work and I don't feel like it's a waste of time because I'm learning. I'm learning to serve. Nobody pays to me. Nobody gives me kudos. I am just serving. Because what if I tell you this? If you learn to serve and to give, that is what makes you like Jesus. He came to give and to serve. The more I serve, the more I give, learn to serve and to give, the more I become like Jesus. Now, but this is preparation. So that I am ready to meet future that God has for me. I like uh, Harry Truman who says Self selfishness and greed, individual or national, cause most of our troubles. Why? Because I've seen adults who grew up, got their degrees, extremely smart and intelligent, and they're babies. They don't give and they don't serve. And I'm meeting the guy and I'm like, so why do you live on this earth? And he's living to make money and to buy mansion. How stupid is this? You never grew up, my guy. You live to make money and to buy a mansion? That's your, that's your goal in life? Oh, I also want to buy a, an airplane. That's your goal? To live in this life to buy an airplane? Oh. Learn to serve and to give. The second preparation point is store up a reward in heaven. Jesus says, I tell you, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. In this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. That's again, preparation for the future. See, if, if you think about your resources, we usually say income is divided on three parts, right? One part is to give, which is tithes and offerings. Another part is to save. And another part is to consume. Three parts. What if I propose that this first part to give, which is 
tithes and offerings is not really give, but also investing. So you invest the first, the second part into the have, in the earthly banks or assets. The first part you invest into the heavenly assets. What if I put in this way? Would it be that easier to understand? Well, Pastor, why are you talking about tithes and offerings? To give you an opportunity to live right and be ready for the future, my friend. You don't have to give anybody anything. But this way, I am preparing myself to be ready for the future. Now, here is the thing, though. Imagine, I'm just giving you an illustration because I don't have time. What if you go to heaven and you meet a guy in heaven who comes to you and says, thank you for all your giving and f- being faithful. And you're like, what, do you, what are you talking about? I never met you. He says, yeah, you never met me, but the church that you helped to build was instrumental in preaching the gospel to me so that I and my family were saved. And for that, I'm thanking you. What if, what if that is that you experience? And that's what this verse is all about. Store up a reward in heaven. Use your worldly resources to benefit others, to change the situation around. And this is my last point, and we will pray. Um, demonstrate to God your life for him. How do you tell God that you love him? Well, we sing him praises, which is great. But he, this is a better way. Hebrews 6.10 God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown to him. How do you show love to God? As you have helped his people and continue to help him. How do you prepare for the future? I constantly demonstrate to God my love for him. I can sing the praise and worship songs, which is also a good way to say I love you. By the best way to say love you to God is to love his children and his church. Do you know what the most precious thing in the world for God? Anybody? The church. So when I demonstrate my love to church, I demonstrate my love to God. It's very simple. And this way, I prepare for the future. The, the, the writer Randy Alcorn says, God is the greatest giver in the universe. And he won't let you outgive him. Go ahead and try. See what happens. Apostle Paul says, God is not unjust. You don't really have to demonstrate your work of service to people. God remembers every single effort 